This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. Otago Access Radio, in partnership with Otago Polytech, brings you Blowing Bubbles. Blowing Bubbles brings you positive conversations with people in their bubbles around the world. How are people living their bubble lives? Working from home, keeping kids entertained, and staying connected and getting exercise. And how are these things presenting us with the opportunities to find new ways of living? Every weekday, the Sustainable Lens team of Samuel Mann, Shan Gallagher and Mara Karatai reach out from their bubbles to chat with interesting and positive people around the world. Broadcast on Otago Access Radio 105.4 FM and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz and sustainablelens.org. Bringing connection, joy, kindness and peace in the days ahead. Welcome to Blowing Bubbles, positive conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. I'm Samuel Mann in Sawyer's Bay, Dunedin, and I am joined from Fakatani by Mawera Karatai. Kia ora, Mawera. Kia ora, Sam. How's it going? Going very well indeed. How was your weekend? It was really good. But I'm sitting here thinking, how, how many interviews have we done? This is 275. Okay. Tony, you're two... 275. It's so good. Thank you. And I've just gotten back from Henry the transcriptions and the lookup for all of the ones up to about 260. Wow, that's so so exciting. So we can start mining them and and having a look and seeing seeing if there are patterns in what people have said and things. So that's quite exciting. Does that mean we get to start on our Blowing Bubbles book? Yep. Good. I'm in. And who are we introducing today? Today, it is my great pleasure to introduce Tony Edelston. Tony is a restaurateur, a dad, a husband, a businessman, um, an incredibly positive influence in our local uh, Whakatane community. And, um, And actually, we're really lucky to have you here, Tony. Welcome. Thank you for having me. Welcome, Tony. Going back a year, how was your bubble life? How was your lockdown? Um, relatively stressful. <laughs> but um, the first oh, what five to ten days, we treated it as a holiday because there was nothing we could do. And um, everyone was obviously in the same boat. And then as the information started to come out, we sort of tried to reimagine our businesses. So we set up uh, multiple chat groups with our staff and yeah, we brainstormed long into the night, day after day, and we comprised our plans to open our cafes. Cool. It's a challenge given that the, 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 the business is about people coming together. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Because we're customer service. So the big, focus on that is the customers and the service side so I was trying to create our businesses without any face-to-face interaction which is a bit of a nightmare but yeah we had to pivot as they say. So were you eventually able to open as click and collect or something how did it work? Yeah um, because we've got a um, a coffee container that is usually a walk-up and face-to-face order, and we turned that into a drive-through. 
and we're fortunate that our cafe on the main street of um, the town has big fold windows, so we put a perfect screen up there, moved our tills, and we just ran food from the kitchen to the front window. So we were quite fortunate. And was that, did you, were you able to open at the end of level four? Yes, yeah, first day of level three, we opened both sites. Cool. And haven't looked back. And 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 d- d- people were hungry by then. Not not hung- not li- literally hungry, but hungry for 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 food that wasn't just for them made themselves. Yeah, and I think yeah, something familiar, something safe, like something from the previous life that we had. So but, um, during lockdown, we were media, and we posted recipes and um, staff profiles and stayed front and centre of people's social media. We talked to some marketing people during the the lockdown and that's what they were talking about was the how businesses were going to have to do that reimagining, that that rethinking what it is that they're actually delivering to people. And it sounds like it's – you've – recognize that because it wasn't just about the food it was about staying connected and the the, sort of the community around the business around the around the food yeah yeah we are my my staff are the face of our business they're the people that the customers come in for the banter you can get a coffee anywhere but you can get a coffee with um the jovial banter or the sassy banter from our staff, whatever you you require. And once people are allowed to, to come back properly, it was it was just a matter of taking away all of those things and just going back to something resembling business as usual, or did it happen differently? Um, happened gradually because obviously as we went through the different levels, we had different restrictions that got removed. Um, we tried the heat and eat meals, which was a bit of a nightmare with packaging and labelling. So once people could come into the store, they weren't such a priority. I think it was the more the fact that people could get in was, and once they could get in, then we slowly just managed to wind back into a pretty much the same business that we were pre-lockdown. And how was the business um going since then we're hearing various stories some people are saying that they're going all guns blazing and other places are struggling um we're very lucky we've been fortunate that uh, the towns responded really well to us so um without divulging too much i think we've probably had our best year financially well that's exciting yeah, yeah. Um, considering during lockdown, we didn't think we were, well, we couldn't imagine reopening. There's that constant thought within our head that we may lose everything. But, yeah. But, there must be yeah, a scary thing to be so deeply in, invested personally and financially. And that, Was that scary? Did it keep you awake at night? Yeah, a lot of, a lot of late nights, um, a, lot of, a lot of stress. A lot of drinking, <laughs> but um, yeah, it was really scary because it was beyond our control as well. 
and even yeah. though it was for the greater good it still felt really um i'm not sure terrible <laughs> let's take the first of your music choices let's have logic with one eight hundred two seventy three eighty two fifty five. Why this one? Um, I like hip hop. I watch a lot of hip hop documentaries, and usually there's um, pretty horrific tones and messages in it. And I came across Logic, and this is a not as a well the the number that you just read out is the American Suicide Awareness or Suicide Helpline. So he's written a song from a really dark place he was in and how he came through it, and it's been quite a good support for people. Um, I've lost friends to suicide and uh, family members who have had dark places in their life, so it's quite nice to see someone of such influence using their influence for something really good. Like my life ain't mine. I don't wanna be alive. I don't wanna be alive. I just wanna die today. I just wanna die. I don't wanna be alive. I don't wanna be alive. I just wanna die. And let me tell you why. All this other shit I'm talking about, they think they know it. I've been praying for somebody to save me. No one's heroic in my life. Don't even matter. I know it. I know it. I know I'm hurt. Show it. I never had a place to call my own. I never had a home. Ain't nobody calling my phone. Where you been? Where you at? What's on your mind? They say every life precious, but nobody care about mine. I've been on a low. I've been taking my time. I feel like I'm out of my mind. It feel like my life ain't mine. Who can relate? I've been on a low. I've been taking my time. I feel like I'm out of my mind. It feel like my life ain't you to be alive. I want you to be alive. You don't gotta die today. You don't gotta die. I want you to be alive. I want you to be alive. You don't gotta die. Now let me tell you why. It's the very first breath when your head's been drowning underwater. And it's the lightness in the air when you're there chest to chest with the lover.
wanna see my tears melt in the snow But I don't wanna cry, I don't wanna cry anymore I wanna feel alive, I don't even wanna die anymore Tony, um, at the end of lockdown, you you started a whole new business, which, you know, like in a town that relies so heavily on its tourism, and then we have no tourism anymore. You did the most, what I think, incredibly courageous thing. How did you imagine that? We'd, how did you go? What process did you go through to turn an idea into an action, and then overcome those barriers um, of all the negative stuff that has happened in the community? What got you there? Is this in regards to our new venture or yeah. just in, uh, that well, was well under all as well. I mean, like you honestly, you you're just incredible people and you've done an incredible thing. So I'm curious right. about that that whole process. Um, well, with the, the com that we've just opened three months ago, that was well underway. We've been planning that for about a year and a half before we opened it. So we were too far in to stop. We just had to keep going <laughs> and um our livelihoods and everything is so intertwined with work like what i live and breathe my work so i just can't see stopping it's just constantly kind of front foot change because i think hospitality is one of the most reviewed and the most uh, evolving businesses because everyone can review us everyone can cook so it's constantly trying to be ahead of the pack so it's, yeah, we're always kind of always redeveloping ourselves. Hmm. How did you overcome the 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 fear part of it? Was fear was fear part of your thinking, or were you just you just always knew this was going to work? Um, no, there's a lot of fear involved, especially with reopening. Um, yeah, but sort of we're too committed, <laughs> too too bigger. Too big a mortgage just to sit back and not not fight for it. <laughs> so that was the motivator for you. It was just keeping keeping you know money money in the bank and the roof over your head. Yeah, because money drives everything. Like it, it provides my children's house. It provides my way of life. It provides food on our table. So, and not just mine. I've got at that stage. 15 staff now i've got just shy of 40 staff so i put food on their tables as well so it's bigger than me so i, I don't feel i have the right to sit down and feel sorry for myself it's about just getting up putting my big boy pants on and just keep going every day <laughs> how did you get into this sort of business uh i sort of just fell into it i used to be a kitchen hand when I was at high school and then I went to the city to train to do computer science which I didn't stand any chance at because it was boring and very detail specific and then I, I went back into the kitchens and I just haven't really looked back I've been in kitchens either working in them or owning and running them for uh, since high school, so 20 years. What's the appeal? Um, the stress. 
I'm I'm not really sure. I I, I love it. I love hospitality. Um, the stress is a big thing. The the detail, the systems, the the brigade structure. And now I'm not so much in the kitchen. It's just the overall management, and it's cool seeing an event that you've worked with come together and be a success. It's pretty cool making someone else's day better. Yeah. That's a cool thing. But you have no control over how many people walk in through your door on any given day. Is, no. is, it, is it like you get to the end of the day and, and, and you're like counting the people who have come in through that day and excited yes, about yeah. that? Or is, is, is it down to that kind of level? Um, it's... It's sort of moved more to like the business side of it. We know our break-even points and our targets, and we are educating our staff on the targets and the necessity for them. So it's gone away from just just the cooking of the food to now the whole oversight of the business and the running of the business. However, when you do an event, that's quite cool because that's a lot more personal because I'm quite often on the floor with them. And to do like a wedding, you're part of someone's big day. So you can see that in them. And and the good thing about that is you know how many people it's going to be and what they're going to pay. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Since the lockdown, when we had that period of, of being at home more, were, were people getting more adventurous with their cooking or did they just resort back to, to comfort food? And the reason for wondering that is it's – has it changed people's expectations of what they're getting when they go out for dinner? When we opened, we pulled, we went through sort of like our archives and we pulled out our most, uh, most popular selling comfort food items. So when we released the menu, we released it with a whole lot of dishes that we knew people liked already. So that was sort of safeguarding ourselves and giving people comfort. So a few of them are still on the menu, but we regularly change our menus. Our chefs have pretty much created control over particular dishes that they can put their personality in. Bubble Sprite of the Forest of Orokunui, Dunedin's favourite goddess, Tahu Mackenzie. Kia ora koutou, nga mahi aroha nui, kia koutou, koutou, I hope you're all having the best day, beautiful superstars, in your beloved universes. And I really hope, wherever you are, whatever's happening around you, this journey that we're all on together is proving to be very rewarding, very sustaining, and illuminating for you more and more each day. Who you are, a triumph of nature's art, perfect, unique, and here, making things better. Thank you. I know that for all of us, we've been through a very challenging time over the last more than a year. And so many layers of, of learning and meaning and so many ways in which we felt our lives were stable and were clearly understandable, have shifted and changed. And having these five minutes with you has helped me immeasurably. I want to say a huge thank you to Sam and the whole Blown Bubbles team for having me. 
has really, really helped. And I think for all of us, when we have the opportunity to share our experiences and reframe them in a way that we hope can be helpful, this is so helpful for us. Something I think that we're all having to learn to re-understand is notions of truth and how we how we conceptualize truth because of course at this time there are so many personal truths that are coming to the fore that people are sharing and needing to share and as we know our our personal truth does shift and change based on our experience and based on our knowledge and when we share our personal truths it's so important that they're met with compassion and kindness and that they're welcomed because for us they are true when we look at a larger scale the more impersonal truths the more immutable and unchanging truths it's important that these two are met with compassion and met with appreciation that they have been formed and recognized by generations and generations of lives and all of this observation all of this appreciation all of this cognizance all of this reckoning has enabled us to feel safe and build a world that we feel fits within a framework of truth and so I really hope for you at this time you're finding the right balance between appreciating your personal truth and having the opportunity to share it having the opportunity to believe what you are feeling whilst knowing that these feelings can shift and change and the lens through which we perceive our reality of course can also change and I hope that you can draw some comfort from the relationship between your personal truth and these larger impersonal immutable truths and the dance between them the play between them is really fascinating for us as a species I think and of course for all of us we are co-evolving with all life in an infinite web and part of that is adding our truth to this larger truth I know for me that more and more I'm seeking to find that truth for myself go deeper and deeper into my feelings in the situation until I come to a point of peace figuring out what's right for me figuring out how I truly feel about something personally for myself and I know for all of us this is often a challenge when in many aspects of our lives we are thinking about the needs of others but it's so important of course if we can do our best to really go deep enough until we feel what is right for us so I hope that you're getting the opportunity to do this and I look forward to talking to you again soon. Thanks so much. Kakite. You're listening to Blowing Bubbles. We're talking with Tony Edelston. Tony, we've seen lots of changes in society over the 
the last year or so. What do you think is going to stick, and perhaps more importantly, what do you hope will stick? Um, hopefully a greater sense of community and a greater support for um, supporting local. Obviously, we try to source local where we can, and we obviously have a, a vested interest in people supporting our local businesses. So it's if I'm going to talk the talk, we've got to walk the walk as well. Is that supporting supporting local? Was was that made easier by the pandemic? Because I mean, one of the things that was almost a miracle in the pandemic is that the global supply chains didn't collapse. And we hear from yeah, several people that some bits of them came close to it, but it didn't. It actually held together, which is kind of encouraging. But also how fragile it is does suggest that need for, for supporting the, the local. I think so. We're too reliant on the global market. If I can buy something that's made down the road, I'd I probably should. How much of your your supplies could you get locally? Um, not enough. <laughs> we're still facing issues. We still have issues with things coming in, especially if we're wanting to use um, an Asian-inspired dish. We need to use sauces and stuff from overseas. However, um, we do try to use as much local as we can within the price point as well. Yeah. Does that, do we still do have you, to be competitive. And do you try for seasonal? Yes, yeah. Yeah, we try to do, or well, with our, our new site, we're going to do a rewrite probably every three months of the menu to keep that seasonal. And at the cafe, we change dishes probably every couple months. We just do, since it's a blackboard menu, we have the luxury to just change one or two dishes without having to do an extensive rewrite. Yeah, and you'd know pretty quick if people are going for it. Yeah. <laughs> the customers tell you one way or another if they like something. When If I tell the, the wait staff that I like something, does it make it back to the kitchen? Does it make a difference? Yes, yeah, it, it needs to. And same if you say you don't like something, the, the line of communication between the front of house and back of house is critical. Are your staff local or do you, would you normally have the, the backpacker type staff on uh, this no, part no. of your... Most of our staff are long-term locals. However, we have, due to just not being able to get enough chefs with our new site, that we've got um, three visa-based chefs who were, who are, or who we didn't bring in, they were already in the country. They've just done uh, visa amendments to work for us. And they're happy to be here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I'd like to think all our staff are happy to be here. So we've, we're not getting any international tourists. Does that, other than... I don't know how many what percentage of internationals you would have had before, but does it change the? I was going to say flavour, but that's not what I meant because you'd take that to, not to mean. Yeah. Does it change the sort of the, the the mix of of how the business operates or anything? No, our, most of our customers are daily regulars. 
we have the same people in every day of the week, so they are our bread and butter. Excuse the pun. And if they, are people from Fakatani working from home? Are you seeing that people aren't coming into the centre of town, or is it is no. the centre of town doing all right? I think it's back to full swing now. It's a it's a pretty small centre of town. <laughs> Even if, you, if you, even if you work from home, anywhere in Whakatane is a five-minute drive, so you can still get your <laughs> coffee and still be at work at home. <laughs> and during lockdown, you you have kids. Were you homeschooling and doing all that stuff as well? Yeah, yeah. And you, have a, a, you soon get an appreciation to what our teachers do. <laughs> but, um, How- one at high school, one at primary school, and one at daycare. You've got the full range. Yeah. <laughs> who who found it the hardest? Um, mum and dad. <laughs> <laughs> I think the younger boys did. I think my eldest did really well uh, remote learning. He could learn at his own pace. But the, the the smaller ones, it was more about meeting with friends. Yeah, and sort of the the Zoom teaching classes didn't really probably have the benefit it did for the older students. I mean, they still love seeing the pictures of their friends, but I think they'd probably rather run around with them and play more than interacting over video. Tony, our community has shown itself to be incredibly resilient with uh First of all, the floods at Edgecombe and then the Fakari disaster and then COVID. What do you put that down to? What, where does our resilience come from, do you think? Uh, I think being a small town, like we know, and you would have known someone that would have been directly or very closely directed to all of those disasters. One of our staff members lost their house. One of our friends lost their best friend and the um, Fakade. So um, we're not very far from the direct impact of those disasters. So I think that probably makes it easier to pull together when we've all got skin in the game. Hmm. That's a really good point, actually. I hadn't thought about it like that. We, um, we yeah, one degree of separation in Fakatani, eh? yeah. even the whole of the Eastern Bay of Plenty. Ah, that's a really good perspective. Thank you. But also a, a positive feel about the community, because we've talked to several people, quite a lot of people from Fakatani, and I, I know you're not picking people who are boring. You're, you're picking. You're finding people that have got you know positive stories or stories to tell and, and telling them in a positive way. But even with sending that, there's still a positive feel about the community. There is. It's not difficult to find positive people here. It's a pretty cool little town. It really is, and and we're a real mix of people too. Like there's a there's a really strong uh, community of people who have been here their whole lives, and then there are a whole bunch of us who have come from outside of Fakatani who have made a home here, but we'll never leave. It's, it's a place you don't want to leave, really, eh, Tony? I think so. Uh, when I was at high school and then I moved to Auckland, I swore I'd never move back here. 
and I think I'll be taken out of a box now to leave. <laughs> so it's an it's an and it's an, it's not just an okay place to live. It's an okay place to to do business to run a food empire. Yeah, and raise a family. Everything I do is for the family. Like. Let's take the second of your music choices. Let's have a Royal Falcon, those bedroom eyes. Why this one? Um, Dan Pilkington, the singer of this band, was a close friend of mine. That's a good reason. And, yeah, and um, it was our first dance my wife and I had as husband and wife. That's also a good reason. <laughs>
Tony, you were saying that the most recent venture that Mawira was talking about was something that was in the in the works for a while, and you you just couldn't stop. So, what are you working on now? Uh, uh, getting that up and running. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's, there's always a project or an idea floating around, but we'll just have to wait. But um, our main focus is to get the com up and running completely. We're three months in, in the middle of winter. So just planning our summer, summer events. So what is it? What did, what word are you, are you saying? The com. Oh, sorry. It's the com. It's a we're a good Georgia affiliated bar and restaurant. That sounds cool. Yeah, it is really cool. It's a we've learned so much doing this. We've got a really cool supportive business partner, him and his wife. And is that um, it, it's it's set up to 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 grow or to to is it what what's what's the future look like for that? Um, I think pretty good, pretty good. Um, we're just uh, looking at how we can expand the offerings from it. We've got uh, I think a sixty-four split-screen combi Ute that we can put. Um, a back bar on and we can cater private events with it. So it's cool. just finding little add-ons to the business that complements it. Did you did you just say that it has a a ute? Yeah. That's a our business partner's one of his toys, but we're gonna we can use it for work purposes. And is it like set up to you can serve beer out of it or something. Yeah, yeah. It's got um, an ice bank with a, a beer bell with heads on it, so you can you can uh, pour three different beers off it. That sounds cool. So, yeah, turn up at your private event, and we can yeah serve alcohol from it and food. We, we just had a um, a big family event in Hamner Springs, and the um. Leslie's brother who was organising it it was his birthday his um, his wife organised some caterers to come in and feed the the crew of 29 people it was a really good way of doing it yeah it's cool celebrating people's parties in their environment so Tony I have some questions to end the show with what is the biggest success you've had in the last couple of years uh, I think maintaining and growing the business over this last 12 months. Yeah, in the face of some significant challenges. <laughs> yeah. Would you have done it different? Would you do it differently if you could do it again? No, I don't think so. No. That's pretty good. We are writing a book of these conversations. It's called Tomorrow's Heroes. It's our team of people doing good work. So what's your superpower? Um, oh, that's a toughie. I, I don't know. Perseverance. No. <laughs> uh, stubbornness. <laughs> <laughs> it's not just perseverance for the sake of it, though. It's perseverance with a bit of a vision. 
a lot yeah, of Yeah, I sort of get like an idea stuck in my head and just keep going till it either succeeds or it's exhausted and then throw it away and get another idea and keep going. Where do those ideas come from? Um, sleepless nights. No, I, I trawl the internet and I, I, as I say, I live and breathe what I do. I'll talk to someone and they'll say something and I'll be like, oh, cool, that's a neat idea. I'll, I'll run with that. That sounds cool. Do you consider yourself to be an activist? No. What motivates you? What gets you out of bed in the morning? Debt. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I'm not really. I, I, I mentioned debt a few times. I'm not worried about it because I think everything's going right. Um, it's just I enjoy doing what I do. Why is it called the Com? Oh, it's the Commercial Hotel. Ah. It's, it's been there's been a, a pub on that site since I think eighteen ninety four through various incarnations, and it was always the Commercial Hotel, and everyone just used to call it the Com. So we didn't want to open the Commercial Hotel again, so we've gone with just the Com because everyone called it that anyway. It must be interesting to be in a place that's got a bit of a history, a bit of legacy around it. Yeah, yeah, it had a checkered past. But yeah, it's those walls could talk. <laughs> yeah. Mawera looked very knowingly at that when you said that. <laughs> yes, I spent one or two nights at the com. <laughs> Everyone in Whakatani's got a story about one or two nights at the com. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it couldn't have been called anything else, Tony, really, eh? Because that, that's no. what the whole community calls it. It's always been the com. And even years. if we named it something else, it would have been called the com. So exactly. we thought we might, as well, we might as well embrace it and own it. Sam, you've been past it many times, and when you come up later in the year, we'll go and have dinner there. It's Please a do. deal. It's a deal. So what challenge are you looking forward to in the next year or two? Um, just summer, I think. Summer's going to be big. If last summer was anything to go by and with having the pub, it's just, yes, yeah, going to be exciting. I never owned a pub until three months ago. <laughs> and lastly, do you have any advice for our listeners? Uh, gee. <laughs> find something you like and just do it that Pretty sounds much, like it's not really not very insightful but <laughs> love what you do sounds good to me thank you Mawira so funny um, we just interviewed Mike Morgan uh, and he gave that pretty much exact answer using those almost exact words. <laughs> He's and, a good dude, uh, Mike. Oh, he is a good dude, and he would say the same of you. So, yeah. Tony, it is a wonderful thing that you do um, to have invested so much into our community, um, not just in you know financial terms, but also in the way that you train um, the young people that work with you and the opportunities that you give them. Uh, and, um, the, you know, like the, the Mike King event uh, that's, that's coming up, 
um, and our, uh, our our big pie competition that's coming up. Yep. You know, like you're busy. You're you're not just running. You're you're not just building your empire for yourself and your family. You're building an entire community as you go. And I really appreciate and value that. Um, and thank you for all that you do for our community. Thank you. That's very kind. Thank you very much for joining us. with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. Brought to you by the Sustainable Lens Team, which is brought to you by Otago Polytechnic. We're broadcast on Otago Access Radio every Monday, Wednesday and Friday afternoons at 3 and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz. You can find us on Facebook and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We've had a contribution today from Tahu McKenzie. This is Beastie Boys Eggman. I'm Samuel Manon, so is Bade Needham, with Mawera Karatai in Fakatani, And also in Fakatani, we've been joined by Tony Edelstein. Uh, that was Blowing Bubbles. We hope you enjoyed the show. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.